My guest is Jim Hunt, an acclaimed psychic medium, certified life coach, and ghost counselor from the TV show Knock Knock Ghost, who travels the world searching for the answers to some of our biggest questions about what happens when we die. Today we'll talk about his adventures over the years with aliens, Bigfoot, shapeshifters, psychics, and more. Jim, thank you so much for being my guest today and welcome. Thank you, Jeffrey. I'm very much looking forward to talking to your audience. All right. If you don't mind, let's just start from the beginning. When did you realize that you were a psychic and how did that all come about? Uh, The psychic part, I maybe um, that's what was given to us as a title. I think more of I was more considered a medium because of of around five years of age. I was playing in a sandbox in a in a large apartment complex in our where I had grown up in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and um, I was sitting at this sandbox and I was playing away at five and I saw this man, kitty corner across uh, from the sandbox, also sitting in the little corner, but he kept on pointing to the sand in a certain area of the sand and. You know, I'm just five. I'm playing with my toys. Who wants to pay attention to an adult? You let it be. He kept on pointing, not saying a word. Uh, I slowed down a little bit, took a look. And so humoring myself, grabbed my little pail and shovel, started digging where he was pointing. Lo and behold, it was my lost G.I. Joe with the space capsule still in the sand from the winter past. And uh, when I went to go look up and say, oh, my gosh, look what I found. Immediately, uh, he was completely gone. So it was it was a beautiful, positive experience right off the bat. Nothing negative at all that was challenging. So it was a lot of fun to start understanding what the dead was all about. Do you think that prior to this, you had some kind of event like an NDE or something that opened you to the veil? Or do you think it was because at that age, you were already automatically kind of open? I think we are automatically opened. Uh, There was no judgment. Uh, uh, You know, we don't have the age of reasoning until about seven years old. So what was ever in front of me was told. Um, Understandably, from an adult's point of view, um, I would have been uh, considered uh, I had a lot of imaginary friends. And growing up in a very strong Catholic, uh, Catholic area, there was a church on every corner, basically, um, uh, I was, uh, I would have been the sign of the devil. So things are already, were starting to say, Hey, don't talk to too many people about this. So I, and I never understood that. So I was very quiet. So, um, my doors were always open and, um, my spiritual side, which was there was believing that there was more than what I had just seen. And I was never a lonely child because I always had somebody around me. So it was amazing for me unlike what other people's experiences are. So for me, it was quite pleasant. The only time that it wasn't pleasant was as soon as grade school started and I was in a classroom and we drew up, um, they asked us to draw a photo of what we saw or a picture of what we uh, did during our summer break. And everything that I drew always had a rainbow around people. And the nun had asked me, why do you draw a rainbow around people all the time? And I said, doesn't everybody have a rainbow? And that was my introduction to understanding that those were aura colors at the time. So it really presented itself as very positive, except at that point, uh, my mother was called, I think, that next day to say, hey, your son has a vivid imagination, but he needs to be quiet about it. So did you work with this ability throughout your life and develop it into what you can do now? Or did you kind of put it away for a while and then come back to it? I don't know how to express this, Jeffrey, but what um, you can't get rid of something that's there for me. Uh, My mother was intuitive. My grandmother was very intuitive, native Indian, Hungarian, Irish. We had it all, uh, you know, the Heinz 57 of, uh, of uh, how I grew up. Um, And always things were positive, but I was also taught at the same time, not to say too many things, but if I was going to say something, to whisper it into my mother's ear or my grandmother's ear or somebody that understood. And so it was always said in silence. It was very much taboo to talk about this, especially in the 60s. It was horrible, Hmm. that part. One of the things that I mentioned in the beginning was that you are a ghost counselor. I think that's a great, great way of saying it. Do you find yourself more counseling ghosts or... 
being a medium and counseling people? I'm more trusting of the spirit world, the ghost world, than I am of the human world because um, there's sporadic changes that happen with our our way of thinking when we're uh, breathing. But when I'm speaking to ghosts and to spirits, there's always something that has to be said, something that uh, they'd like like to uh, for us to know, or they're there to teach me as well, or to teach everybody, and we just not all pay attention to it. So I started understanding the counseling of the spirit world because someone would come to me and say, can you find Bertha for me? And I'm going, I'm sorry, but I don't know who Bertha is. Well, she just lives down the street and she's over here and over there. I'm going, I'm really sorry. I don't know who it is, but I'm I'm hoping that I can maybe one day meet her. And then the spirit would just dissolve because they were giving me some information and the resolve for them was, I, if I ever met Bertha, I would say that I met you. And they left and they moved into the light. The idea that I understood at a very young age that moving a spirit into the light was the most important thing to do. How do you define ghosts? I mean, are those just people who have, after they've died, they haven't taken another body? And are they stuck in this realm and can't get out? Or they choose to be here? Or both? Um, it's that this is where it can you have to really uh, we'd have to spend a whole day together Jeffrey but I, let me give you the Cole's notes here um, a ghosts uh, we have wandering spirits that uh, don't know that they've passed away and they can walk right through you because they are in a petrified state they they don't realize that they've passed on and it's very difficult to get a hold of that type of spirit and we call those running in loops because they're going over the same thing over and over and over again, like a Groundhog Day. Then we have the spirits who know that they've passed. They've gone into the light, but come back because they still have messages to give to their loved ones who are still alive. Or uh, we have the slightly darker demonic type energies that um, um, are murderers, are serial killers, that uh, their souls are basically in control of the darker energy who try and possess people like myself and or you or anybody on this crazy earth of ours to control us to be evil, to do these things that they want us under their command, which is not so much attaching themselves to us and controlling us, but giving us enough that will do something that would be dishonest or dangerous or hurtful to another soul. So we're always very careful and paying attention to it. It's just like not talking to strangers when we're taught. The spirit world also in the light, the good ghosts and spirits will say, don't talk to them. You get warnings way ahead of time that that you know that they're wrong. Because um, I just dealt with someone in the in the, in in a week, a week ago, sorry, my English is everywhere. Um, uh, they said that they went to a cemetery because their grandfather had passed away and they had heard a child talking. And I'm going, hang on a second here. Most children are pulled into the light immediately. There's, I have never seen a very lost child in most in my, my 63 years of life, but 60 or 58 years of doing this, uh, that a child is actually lost. It's usually something that is demonic or trying to control or a poltergeist or a minion of sorts trying to convince you otherwise. But rarely is there a child that's lost in the light. Can you tell us about some of the times that demons or ghosts tried to attach themselves to you? And what did you do to break that attachment? When we do things, we do things in, in succession. The native side of me is to protect myself. The Hungarian side of myself is to make sure that I'm I'm watched out for, wearing crystals, doing that type of thing. And then my growth experience uh, of being uh, going into this full throttle was I white-lighted myself. I do my own sense of meditation to make sure that I'm protected. And just like anything else, I don't provoke or poke the bear. If you're going to go in there and bother and disturb a poltergeist or darker energy, they are going to come after you tooth and nail and make sure that they will do it from the time you go in there till the time you leave. They will punish you. They will hurt you. They will scratch you, choke you, poke you in the eye. They will make you sick to your stomach. They will do everything possible. 
The reason why I know this is because I poked the bear and provoked the bear because that's what I was asked to do at one point. And I thought, hey, that's the only thing I should be doing. So I should have been listening to the the smarter spirits that were teaching me, the elders, I give them uh, a title to, and don't do that. Go in and release the light. Go and release the spirits that need to go. So, and all of those things have happened to me. If you've seen the show Knock Knock Ghost, I have been stabbed, choked, thrown up, and beaten emotionally and felt like my body was in a vice because of the darker energy that was conjured up by the crew, by myself, by others, because we were trying to sensationalize the show. Mm. It was horrible. Before the show, we were talking about some psychics provoke these ghosts, and some of these psychics are either not experienced or not knowing what they're doing. Can you tell us more about that? So I think um, some of the psychics that go out there, they can feel the dark and the evil, and they're trying to either help this dark energy to remove itself or to stay away. It's not warranted. It's not welcome. And a lot of us can remove that dark energy and we get rid of it forever. And that I mean forever. We do. Um, If there's times that we cannot get rid of it, we just move away. We just tell anybody, we can't clear this. We can't move this. It doesn't matter if you use a priest, holy water or whatever other source of opportunity to try and get rid of this poltergeist dark energy. We can't do it, and I'm sure a lot of other people can't. But it's more the the um, paranormal investigator who wants to go in to, to look up all of these wives' tales or opportunities to feel their audience and to get them frightened or to show that the dead are more dark and and dishonest and harmful to us when that's maybe 1% of the spirit world. The other 99% are looking for answers, trying to go to the light and find out why they're dead. So if you're going in there to provoke and poke that bear, you're definitely going to get in trouble from it. And you definitely can have an attachment. I've had attachments to me where I I have not even provoked or tried anything. And I've had to have demonologists help me remove some of the dark energy from me. And I wasn't even trying. So it's dangerous. Are you saying from what you said earlier that there are some ghosts or some dark entities that you cannot unattach from people? And if so, what do they do? This is where um, Catholicism comes through or um, shaman that can actually remove these. I'm not blessed with those skills. Ah. So... Um, they have to go to a higher spiritual energy to help remove them. My job as a psychic medium, as a healer, is to take the energy of the spirit world who are lost, don't see that they've passed away, and we just move them into the light or get messages from them to give them back to their families. Since you've traveled the world, you probably see that some cultures like to wear an evil eye necklace to ward off spirits and ghosts. What do you think about those? If that helps them, <laughs> sorry, I'm not laughing with them. I'm just, I get this at this question a lot. I honestly think that it, if you're wearing that evil eye, this is helping you be, take preventative medicine so that you are not bothered by the darker energy and that you're putting that out there and it's the essence of your energy showing that You have that little bit of fear, but you're not playing their games and stay away from them. And if you show that energy of uh, not aggressive, not aggressive, but no fear, they will leave you alone. But as soon as you show any fear, any anxiety whatsoever, they attach themselves like bees to honey. Why are they attaching themselves to people in the first place? Because you're actually walking into a situation that is fearful. You're fearful. You believe that the dark energy can control you and you're allowing that as a opening for the dark energy to take advantage of you. They live off of our energy. They use our energy to be stronger for as long as they can until they drain you of everything. And then that is the situation that people go through. Mm. I don't allow it at all, ever. And if I have somebody in an investigation with me, who's that type of personality, they'd never be with me. I would never let them 
anywhere near my essence. So what are some tips that we can all use to kind of protect ourselves? First of all, if you're not, <laughs> if you if you want to go and investigate and you want to find out what's going on, you do a history of the place and find out what was happening. Number two is find out what type of crystals you need to protect yourself. Um, there's many different types of crystals out there. Um, if you believe in Catholicism, you use your Lord or your, your Savior to protect you as you're going into something. You say your own prayer. Uh, you smudge yourself, um, which is, um, I have to use smudging for the Native community, and it's called smoke for non-Aboriginal people. So, um, and it's a testament to removing anything that's around you, and sage will remove that energy from you. Uh, hematite can do it for you. Chasolite is another one that will do it for you. Um, and you use that to protect yourself. Um, I've never seen a rosary do anything. Sorry, Catholicism people were across to do anything. I haven't seen it other than what TV has been showing, you know, because it really doesn't do anything. Um, I white light myself. I create a mirror, which is a literally what you would look at yourself in. Invert the mirrors so that I can take that energy that they are trying to attack me to return right back to the person that attacked me. It's that type. There's so many different variations, but this psychic medium uses those tools. All right, Jim. A lot of my videos are with near-death experiencers, and we talk about what they saw or experienced on the other side. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, I said you've been traveling the world searching for some of those answers. What are some of the answers you can share with us? I have reviewed and had conversations with people about their situations of them passing in certain times because I never really let people know what I was doing. I was an engineer that was installing satellites, not a psychic medium traveling the world. But when I got into good conversations with people about my other life, um, situations would come up where um, they were in a car accident, um, they, their heart stopped, they had a heart attack, their life stopped. There were so many different variations of things that were happening. So what I listened to is what was your experience and how did it come about and why do you think you returned? And the majority of them say you have not finished your soul's purpose. You started off doing something or you have contracts from your past lives that you haven't fulfilled yet to the people that are around you within your within your family or personal circle there were so many things and variables that come to it so it's the individual themselves are what um, makes them come back to life for me i was five years old six years old almost as uh, summer of 62 and uh 63 and i was i drowned and I was able to see the water. I was able to see everything that was going on. I do not think, and I'm still trying to figure that out, if they had mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation or doing whatever. Somehow I ended up from the water onto the dock with a big red mark on my chest because I remember being picked up by a hand and placed on this wharf and choking out water. And I, I, and I still don't know how I got there from drowning to the wharf. And that, and my, my near-death experience was running to my mom and just saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I died and I came back. See, I was asking you that in the beginning, and I was wondering if that was the catalyst that started all of your abilities. <laughs> That's what I was thinking as well, but I think we're born with this, Jeffrey. Mm. I think we are all born with this, and it just takes something to make it connect and stay with us. And yes... Um, through history, that's what people say, that there was something traumatic that had to happen to us. But I'm trying, I'm not arguing that point, but I'm trying to say that that doesn't always happen. There is a thing out there called acquired savant syndrome, which when you have some kind of injury to your nervous system, abilities turn on. It's a medically proven thing. And generally within the medical system, they say, you know, like all of a sudden you could just look at a a box of toothpicks on the ground and instantly know, there, oh, there's 483, or you're, you have some kind of math ability or musical ability. But I, 
also think that perhaps that we're returning back on psychic abilities. I think we all have that. And that's where it relates to our past lives, our soul lives, because I don't think that we're, we haven't always been human. I, and that's where it becomes difficult. And that's where I even have friends lifting their shoulders or looking the other way when I have this conversation, because they don't know, or they haven't seen. So I get questioned about that, but we have the ET possibility. We have another galaxy possibility. There's so many variables again as to past lives and why are we so many, why do we feel like we've seen come back to this earth so many times? But I believe we're here for a reason to grow spiritually, to learn to be better than what we were in the last soul life. So we have to experience death at a young age, cancer, suicide, um, all of these little things that we needed to understand so that we can become a better light or a better institution to ourselves that when we do leave this earth finally that we're going into another galaxy or another opportunity or another plane that is completely higher level than what we're living on today. That's great that you bring that up because some of my guests who have had NDEs have encountered aliens and or went to other planets on the other side. So it makes me wonder, as a medium or as a communicator, have you ever communicated with aliens? Okay. I love this question because this is my answer and it's very cool. Um, I have seen dead ET alien type personalities. And they're not all the ones with the big heads and the long arms that uh, drag the ground. Um, they are massive. They are small. They are in between, just like the human rate, human type personalities. But they'll look at me. They won't. They'll acknowledge me with a nod of their head, or they'll move their hand and do this from their forehead, like the old school ways that we used to do when we were greeting somebody on the on the street. But they will not talk to me because I think they are insulted. <laughs> that I can see them, but I don't think that they're ready or I'm ready for them. So they just go, oh my God, he did see me in the spirit world. Okay, I'm moving on. But they don't give me the time of day. They have never given me the time of day. And I've seen many, not just one or two. Do you think that that's where they exist on their day-to-day -day life and then they pop out of that realm and they want to kind of take a look at earth, but they go back there? I think that they have the spirit world and the ability to reincarnate just like us, except they are exploring everything that they've done in their past lives to say, hey, do I want to come back to Earth and freak us out a little bit? Or do I want to go to another galaxy back to where I was home? Is there something else that I need to learn? I think it's just they have such an ability to to jump a plane, to jump into different worlds and to see different things more than us but they still need their learning process they need to still see their own purposes i just have never communicated with one to give up so i'm that is all my assumptions especially when they don't even want to pay attention to us do you think that we could have been aliens in other lifetimes yeah i do but i've never felt a connection to one um, uh, I've only seen them in death. I've never seen them live and in person other than what I saw with my dad many, many years ago. Um, and it's just, there. there's more than our earthly plane, for sure. All right, so what about Bigfoot? Do you think it's an actual being roaming around the forest? Do you think it's a holographic projection from another realm, a ghost that appears on, in the forest? Um, these are... Our earth, our earth, this earth are full of portals and they have, this is how they come and go. The forest seems to be a place for them to rejuvenate, to grow, to heal, I am assuming. And when we do see them or recognize them, they want to frighten the crap out of us and they can cloak. They can turn a certain way where they become invisible. And that's scientific, by the way. It's just not me. And they move in a certain direction where if their fur can just change, they seem invisible to us. And then all of a sudden they can appear and disappear. It's just, uh, I believe in Bigfoot for sure.
I had a guest on not too long ago and ended up being an academic conversation. But one of the most interesting things he said is that if for something like that to exist, and we were actually talking about the Loch Ness Monster, but he said that you have to have a breeding population to keep it going. So, uh, you know, it's something to kind of interesting to think about. There had to be an evolution of them somewhere, but it doesn't certainly come from Earth. That's mm. for sure. Mm. My point of view, sorry. It's all right. Would you consider Bigfoot then to be a shapeshifter? Shapeshifters are completely different. They take, they're like tricksters. They can take on certain parts of a human look. Uh, they, they can become sort of connected to the elemental world. They can uh, manifest themselves into parts of forest, parts of buildings. Um, it's, it's a lot different for me when I see them. The shapeshifters to me are, are not um, polite. I think that they're more aggressive and um, they do not like the idea that psychics, mediums, clairvoyance, uh, clear audio, all of these type, anybody with a spiritual ability, they don't like us because we can feel and see them. Can you tell us about elementals? Elementals are something from, uh, we'll go back from the turn of our, our, our earth. <clears throat> they, um, they will punish us if we're the camper, the, the green-nosed camper who's never been camping before and just cuts down a tree because they need that firewood there's a lot of dead wood around them and they will create problems for that camper. The wood won't burn um, or it will burn and spark and start a fire in their campsite. There's certain things they are here to protect the energy. I don't know about people alone, but for to see the auras of a forest and be deep in the forest, completely dark to watch trees breathe are just one of the, most fascinating things to me in my lifetime. It's alive. Trees take care of other sick trees. They help them. There's That's the elemental side of it for me. All right. I was checking out your YouTube channel, and I think it's under just under your name. It's under Jim Hunt. I think we're just about ready to put it to Jim Hunt Official. One of your videos was about fear and having fear of fear. Can you tell us about that more? Or can you comment on that? Sure. I have fear of fear. So think about this. Um, we hold on to fear and then we masticize it into something that is even what we think or perceive to be worse. We amplify it to a point where we can't exist in ourselves because we're afraid of even stepping outside our door. Uh, we're uh, afraid of certain energies. We can feel claustrophobic. We can feel this energy. And um, we allow people to create fear in us as well. Um what I'm, what I see or interpret my opinion is, if I'm afraid of something, I need to know the reason why I'm afraid of it, and I try and find out the answers as much as I can. And if I've gone into something where I'm going, holy crap, I can't get out of this on my own. I need help. My fear just grows even more, and my dependency on somebody else who's with me, who doesn't even see how frightened I am. But I, they have the courage to stay with me. That fear is, is blows up in my face, and they don't know what to do about it, and I'm the one who has to calm down. So what I've been doing now is taking this fear, chasing it, and controlling it, and or wiping it away from my, my essence. So fear, we just live with it. Look what's happening today with Russia, with um, the Ukraine, we have one man, a sociopath, who is frightening the world with what his capabilities are. And he does not care about the human race. He only cares about himself. So he's putting that fear into all of us. Imagine being in the spirit world or a psychic medium and feeling all of those people's fear. I have to step away and say, that doesn't belong to me. And that's the type of fear that we can get. It's interesting to think about that one person can create fear for the entire planet. His own people are not going to take him much longer. Do you think that he has dark entities attached to him? Here's the thing. I don't think I've seen him. I've only seen his personality 
on a video once. I think he has his his um, doubles out. I do not like someone who has had plastic surgery to look like him. Very rarely through this whole thing that he started right after the Olympics here. Um, I think I've only seen him once and everybody else is not him because the entities of the dark energy that is surrounding that mass of Putin is horrible. So he's been, he's allowed that to take control of him. But if I see other ones that are doing news broadcasts or anything, and I know it's a conspiracy, but it's just what the psychic sees. I don't see that same energy. Are there fake psychics out there? And if so, how do we protect ourselves from, you know, getting taken by them? It is horrible what we're seeing out there, because again, this is where it leads to fear. Um, A lot of good psychics, we're telling you what we're getting from your spirit, your guides, those type of things. What people do is look for the fake psychics. They look for our 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 hand movement they are like profilers to us they will look you up and find out as much as they can about you prior to an appointment and they will say oh you've done this this and this and your future is because you don't have a job is because you're not getting along with auntie edna and all of these different things and we believe them because they're saying certain things we as good psychic mediums or good healers we will say your past lives have done this to you this is at your point of your life where there is a fork in the road you have to make these decisions to go left or right if you go left you're going to continue being punished if you go right your protectors your guardian angels those type of people they will protect you and move you forward into a different direction but these people look for how frightened you are you're stuttering your hand gestures. It's like having a police officer who studies you and finds out certain things, your eye movement. That's what they look for. It's horrible. And there's a lot of them out there. My wife and I talk about how a lot of people just put their entire lives on Facebook. So if you can just capture, you know, or get access to their Facebook profile, you can find out a lot of them just from there. They do. And um, I find that a lot of people do that. And It's ridiculous. That's why when I'm booked, um, I don't see, I have an assistant. She does the booking. She sends them to me. I don't look you up. I don't know anything about you until I meet you that day. Mm, That's great. All right. So how did you get involved in the TV show? Okay. It's kind of funny because my wife is a professional stand-up comedian Mm. and um, here in Toronto, Canada, and she was voted number 10 in Ontario for the best comic in Canada. Um, Saying that, she had met this person who was my co-host on Knock Knock Ghost, um, Richard Reiner. And uh, my wife and he were on uh, the same stage. And he just said in talking to all the comedians, do you know of any psychics out there? My wife just said, yes, I do. I'm married to one. Mm -hmm. He laughed and just said, oh, please, come on. And that's how it worked, and that's how everything turned out. So it was just very cool what was going on. And um, I had to talk to Richard and give him, you know, uh, the skeptic, and he's a skeptic on the show, but I gave him some personal information about himself that he just said, nobody knows that. Hmm. And that's what connected us, sent us to the producer, and we went on there. That's great. Did they already have the show kind of ready to go? They just needed a psychic? Yes, that's oh. all they needed, and they couldn't find one. And it was a, for, I think it was over a year they were looking for someone. So I was just, Jill was in the right place at the right time, and I was ready to rock and roll. That's it was a cool. lot of fun. It was. Those two years were a lot of fun. Can you tell us some anecdotes of some of your best shows? We were, um, uh, just like your uh, TV awards, uh, I forget what they call them in the United States, and I'm so sorry. Oh. Um uh, like Academy Awards type thing. The Emmys? Uh, our show was nominated. Yes, our show, mm-hmm. Emmys. There you go. Thank you. Our show was nominated twice for the best reality TV show in Canada. That's so, uh, and the two shows that come to mind were the, uh, par- uh, was um, a psychiatric ward in London, Ontario, which is, uh, I've gone there many times. And uh, that was 
an amazing thing to do because the dead that were there were not the patients that were put in there. But most of the employees that had worked there for 40 years had come back because that's where they felt familiar, familiar and loved the place. So I was basically opening up <clears throat> the show with uh, the convener who was there, who was there for 40 years. And I was mentioning names and places and people. And he was just blown away by the people I was talking about because he remembered them all. So he was giving the affirmations, which was really, really cool. And the other one was um, uh, a hotel uh, bed and breakfast with um, Michelle de Rocher. And that was a, um, she's a demonologist. And we released a couple of spirits from the basement of her bed and breakfast. Cool. So you said you were on the show for two years. What are you up to now? Are you looking for a new show or you're, or what? Well, uh, thank you for asking, Jeffrey. What I'm doing now is um, I'm doing a lot of life coaching. <clears throat> I'm very successful at it. Um, I've gone through the process of starting a couple of new shows. Um, but right now they're looking for the younger psychics, the younger type mm. personalities mm. to do the show. They're always looking for the younger actor, right? They are. And I'm a little bit too old for some of the places that they're looking for. So kind of, I'm just going whatever. I, I'm quite happy and content with what I'm doing. Um, but we're on the verge of starting our own podcast. And I will be doing live shows of something to the same nature as uh, what Knock Knock Ghost was, except we're going to go live and... Uh, ask questions in in pubs and restaurants and bars and places of business people's homes and just go in and talk to different people and give them reasons as to why they've gone through the things that they've done so that's going to be a part of the new podcast that's coming up for me cool so why do you think most spirits reach out to you is it because they're trying to communicate with the living or they need help both they're trying to communicate with their loved ones or their friends that they never got to leave messages for, which is about, I would say, 80% of the of the communication that I get. Um, the other part is they are, the spirit world, are looking for help to go into the light. Um, I can give you one instance, if you would like, quickly, is um, we, uh, 10 years ago, my wife and I used to eat at this regular place. It was our watering hole that we would go to on a Friday. We'd enjoy ourselves, and we'd always be sitting at the same table. It was just something that happened. And every night I would see this uh, librarian, and that's uh, to get through the story, that had been struck and killed by a taxi driver in this intersection that we're, of where we were sitting. And I would watch her do it all the time, over and over and over again every time we were there. So what I did was a history on her, and um, she was rushing to work. She was carrying some library books, and she wasn't paying attention. It was a rainy day, and she was struck and killed. And she went through this over and over and over again. She did not know that she was dead, so she was going through this loop. I tried to get her attention by going directly into the street and just saying, hey, pay attention, look at me, I'm here to help you. And she would walk right through me and go through the same stages that she was going through. <clears throat> what I did was find out the history that she was a librarian. And I went home one day, grabbed some books, left, just left them right on the sidewalk, right at the intersection. She stopped, which took her out of her loop, looked and said, who would leave books on the street? Picked them up. I got her attention. I just said, you passed away. You need to go to the light. She looked at me, looked at the light, gone. Just like that. She has never been back to that intersection again. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What's kind of cool about you talking about the loops is it's kind of a confirmation of another one of my guests that he's a Catholic priest and spirits visit him in his dreams. And he kind of talked about that. And he told me about a guy that actually during 9-11 had jumped out of one of the Twin Towers and he just kept falling and falling and falling like for eternity until they finally kind of got him unstuck from that. It, it's, um, I have not been to, to New York since then. I cannot walk within a mile and a half of that area without feeling the anxiety that's still sitting there and the souls that have not been released. I don't know if I can handle that energy. What about deja vu? 
is that something real or is that just a trick of the mind? No, that happens to me very often. It's There's no way it's a trick of the mind. Um, I could be sitting with some family members <clears throat> and I will answer them before they answer or ask me a question and just say, you're just about to ask me if we're going to have a grilled cheese and tomato soup for lunch, aren't you? And they look at you and they go, what? How did you know that? I said, well, I'm a psychic. And they laugh. But I knew ahead of time without being answered because the whole feeling of being in that kitchen, sitting at that table, <clears throat> the smell of the um, just after it was a rainstorm and all of these things happened all at once. And then I just, wow, what a click. And then boom. It's how I met my my second wife was a deja vu. So then are you kind of like predicting the future? Because I've kind of thought, well, if I'm in an environment that kind of seems that deja vu-ish, well, I think, okay, well, maybe I've been here in a past life or something. But yours seems a little different. Well, what happens here is the deja vus are planes that are in front of us. So we have one plane that we move forward into another plane that we move forward into another plane. And... What happens is I think we move and advance into that next plane ahead of everybody else where we shouldn't. So there's this vibration that happens that, oh, wow, this has happened to me before. And it's because we stepped into a plane that we should not have stepped into. Imagine us being, we're alive and you are talking to me and you step outside your front door and you're actually stepping into another plane and someone is saying in that plane, oh, my God, there's a ghost there. And that's you, Jeffrey. But they think that you're the ghost. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Do you think that some people use psychics as like a crutch in their life? Way too often. And uh, what we do is we, uh, good ones, and you take the life coach perception of it. Um, some of them will say to you, hey, I'm relying on you too much. And I'm going, okay. I see that and I was going to bring that up or you bring it up ahead of time and just say, let's take six months off. Give me a call six months down the road. Otherwise, I, I won't allow you to book with me until then. And um, what happens is we are giving you information to help you move forward. You're getting a connection with us where we're your psychic wife or your psychic husband in a sense because they don't have anybody to talk to and they're going through the motion saying, what do you think of this decision? I never tell them good, bad, or indifferent. I just say, this decision is up to you, but the circumstances in between it, you need to make these decisions. You know, don't jump into this job right away because you're already in this job. And if you take the two, you might lose both or don't buy that car. You can't afford it yet. Let's take, let's get us out of debt first. And, these are the type of things that um, they depend on. Or I'm going to have a relationship in December. December comes, they don't get a relationship. And we're telling them, I don't know why it didn't happen, but we're feeling maybe it'll happen in April. And then they stay with you till April. I just say, hey, we need to stop talking about the relationship stuff because it doesn't seem to be working. Can we talk about something else? And then they stop talking to you, which mm -hmm. is kind of cool. I'm being polite without being an a jerk about it. To me, it seems like those type of people are also easy targets for psychics that want to take advantage of people. Well, we've seen them um, where they say, give me $3,000 and I'm going to get rid of that, uh, that energy around you that you've not had a job for two years. So if you find $3,000, I'll be able to remove that from you and then you'll find the job <laughs> and it doesn't happen. And it, and then all of a sudden, that psychic you'll never hear again from or see them and that they're just taking advantage. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. That's why I have a 30 minute appointment, a 50 minute appointment and life coaching and we go through it and then we move on. And if I feel like it's not working, you're getting your money back. Um, uh, if you're booking another 30 minute or 50 minute session and I'm going, why are you calling me back a week later? Because I know, you know, more than you, uh, you know more and you can help me. I'm going, maybe you should help yourself first. Try and get through the things that we've talked about. Then contact me in about a month's time. Mm. But <clears throat> other intuitives who are good will take advantage of that too. Right.
you've got the podcast coming up. You're doing yes. the life coaching and the psychic. What else you got going on that you want people to know about? What's great about this is um, if I what I used to do was go from one province, one state, or another country. And if you have, if you're, if I'm in, what, what I'm sorry, Jeffrey, where are you from? Texas. So if I'm going to Houston, Texas, and you have 10 people for me to see in Texas, I will book another 10 people because I have the clients there. I'll have 20 clients and I'll come out and see you live. I'll fly out there. I'll book a hotel and we'll, I'll do live readings for people in that area at any time. And it just, I set that up that way. Mm -hmm. um, I, the, the live shows that we're going to be doing on YouTube is going to be very interesting. The podcast is going to be inviting people that are just not from the spirit world, but I'm, I have <clears throat> uh, scientists, credible scientists, credible people, CEOs, directors of why they've been able to get where they have and find out spiritually how they got there. And we can just talk about their past lives because some of them were a general in a war. And why are they the CEO of a large company now is because they ran uh, the, the civil war and did really well at it. And now they're in business and they're doing the same thing. So those are the type of things that we're going to be bringing up in our, in, in the near future for the podcast. Since we talked earlier about that, everybody has a certain amount of psychic ability Absolutely. How can someone develop their own psychic ability? Well, it's working with prominent psychics if they have the the time to do so. If they're putting on a seminar for the beginners <clears throat> to, first of all, teach them how to protect themselves first, to listen to the energy, to listen to more energy that is on the left side, our heart chakra side over the right side, which is not as... It, they're going to give you answers, but they're not going to give you the answers that are always going to be so perfect in the sense that they're going to give you the right answer, but you're going to get something dark following it. Uh, but what I mean is, hey, you're going to be a millionaire next year, but they're also going to say that you die three days later. Hmm. So the heart chakra side is, hey, you have to work for that position. You have to go finish your Bachelor of Science. And when you finish that, you're going to get a job for a lifetime that will allow you to live the life that you've wanted to live. There's always those type of things that we're able to teach people to really hone in on the energy and to listen to what the spirit world is saying. If you don't pick it up <clears throat> or understand it, then there's a lot of blockages that come with that. People take Reiki, for instance, and they say, I don't feel it, or I don't feel like I'm doing anything. Then they don't have the right uh, Reiki specialists. So there's those type of things that they have to really look at what you're looking for to learn. But we, I teach the fundamentals. I do it in my life coaching sessions and that usually works. And it's just teaching them how to ground because I can't meditate if you ask me for 30 seconds because my mind is just too active. But I can do a grounding technique that I'm taught and I white light myself or protect myself and then I'm ready for my day. And I do it in the morning. And I do it at the evening for thanks after having such a successful day. And that's what it is, is feeling positive about the energies that are around you, changing your lifestyle, removing the ne negative and challenged energy that is brought on by your own psychic energy, because you feel like that's where you belong, but you're only doing it because you love that person. Instead, love that person, but change your actions. And that energy changes. And that's what the psychic ability is about. Are you accessible to the public? And what I mean by that is if someone wanted to reach out to you after watching this podcast and ask you questions, are you open to that? And if so, how do they reach you? So um, here's the thing, Jeffrey. I used to be at the beginning when I was new to all of this, I used to ask, um, <clears throat> I used to be able to answer questions. But because of the following, which is I'm thanking every single one of you, uh, because of the podcast that I'm doing, I'm on average receiving between 60 and 80 emails a day for questions. Wow. It's amazing. I, I, and I thank everybody for that. But uh, can you imagine me trying to answer that and trying to do my regular sessions? It's impossible. Yeah. So the best way is gather up your questions, book a 30-minute session. And if you decide, book another 30-minute or book some life coaching. But that's how you do it. 
I won't answer individual questions. It's just way too impossible. All right. Well, before we finish up here, can you leave us with one last positive message? We are going to have peace on earth with what the situation that's going on by the end of August, where things will start to start feeling better between Russia and the Ukraine. We're going to have a different lifestyle now that we will not have a sociopath in power because he's going to lose that and he's going to lose the faith of others. And that's going to happen in North America. It's going to happen around the world. It's going to happen in Brazil. It's going to happen everywhere where we're not going to take this fear mongling any longer. We will start to ask questions, which is something that we should have done hundreds of years ago. And now in politics will be a more of a spiritual move where we don't want to go through this fear anymore in our lives. Yes, we're going to have a-holes that are going to be out there. Sorry about that, people, but... We have them everywhere, and I'm not. I don't put up with it. Uh, my life is not um, a bed of roses, but by no means am I frightened or worried about what's going to happen today or tomorrow. I'm well protected, and so is my family. And I think everybody will feel that way as well. Jim, thank you for that message, and thank you again for being my guest today. I really appreciate you, and I wish you the best. Thank you. If anybody wants to get a hold of me, it's at jimhuntofficial.com. I'm on Instagram at jimhuntofficial, Twitter jimhuntofficial, Facebook jimhuntofficial, and soon YouTube jimhuntofficial. So there's the only way to get a hold of me. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to get one last thing in, and that is what is your podcast called? Okay, I love this. There's a contest going on on Instagram. I've had, uh, I have, I'm going to go live, I think, tomorrow night. I have probably about 140 names that have been given. Not one of them is really working for me right now, but I'm going to say them all so that people will have an idea of what I'm looking for. And um, anybody who, if I go with the name that you choose, you get a 50-minute session with me and invited onto the podcast for my very first episode. That's awesome. Thank you. All right, Jim. Well, thanks again and have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Jeffrey. You as well. Take care, everybody, and thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the Join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.